Yeah, let's do this. Aloha, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. Um, we are chatting with PJ. Uh, this is Sexy Freedom Media Podcast, along with Chat with January. I am so excited to bring on my guest who has actually been here a second time. And I'm bringing him back on because he has words of wisdom that is so profound and uh, it resonates with me and so many other people that I've talked to. And I really wanted to get him back on so we can talk about resiliency uh, and how to be resilient. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce PJ. I'm going to stop my screen share. Aloha, Aloha. Aloha. How's it, right? They say how's How's it. it? Yes, how's it? (laughs) <laughs> oh, PJ. So I'm. I mean, what have you been doing since the last time we talked? And and share yeah. a little bit about you because I know we have some new listeners. Okay. So if you can talk a little bit more about you, tell us about who you are and what you do. Okay. So um, I am a professional speaker and a transformational coach. I've been speaking literally since I was seven years old, which is amazing um, and amazingly fun. But because, not but, but and because I've been speaking since I was seven on stage in front of television, um, in front of audiences of 500 plus people, um, fundraising events, television interviews, radio interviews, all of this stuff, people have always looked to me for advice. And not just because I was on TV, but I think it's just part of my personality. People feel safe with me. And so while um, I've been professionally coaching, I don't know, close to 10 years now, um, I've been coaching my whole life. I've always been the guy that people go to. They say, hey, like, I've got a problem. Can, you know, can we talk about this? And of course, and I think there's a number of reasons for that. One is I just want people to feel safe. I want people to feel loved. I want people to feel connected. I want people to feel like they matter. And so um, I'm great at like letting people have chance after chance after chance. I'm not a yeller. I'll talk like if we have a disagreement or a misunderstanding, I'll talk with you for hours, for days, for weeks until we can figure it out. Because ultimately, I believe that everything can be figured out. And in my line of work, in my my lifestyle, because most people probably who are listening don't know that I'm a disabled man. I'm in a wheelchair. I'm only about four feet tall in my wheelchair, you know, maybe 85 pounds. Um, And I used to play wheelchair sports. Uh, I have a 10th degree black belt in martial arts. I love adventure, like jumping out of planes, indoor skydiving, aqua jetpacking, um, climbing in the Grand Canyon. I've got tons of crazy stories. Um, and I've had just an amazing life despite my disability. Um, but what it comes down to is everything that I teach my clients comes down to really two things, letting go and empowered action. And when you look at letting go and empowered action, you start to look at them like the yin and yang where they, they're spinning together. And there's a little piece of the yin inside of the yang and a little piece of the yang inside of the yin, right? You get that with the letting go and the empowered action. And the more you study that, the more you realize they don't just support each other. They actually become each other. Letting go is an empowered action. And to be able to take empowered action, you have to let go. We can't hold on to the things that are holding us back because if we're holding on, unfortunately, it's probably going to drown us or keep us from moving forward. And resilience is about having the ability to push on despite the hardship. Now, I don't believe um, that I don't believe that 
life should always be about having the courage or the endurance to push on and push through when life gets difficult. But I believe it's more about letting go of um, and releasing the things in your life making life difficult because change is inevitable. You're going to change whether you like it or not. Transformation though is a choice and that's the deliciousness of resilience because with resilience, you get to decide you, the conscious you gets to decide that's what I want and that's what I'm going after. Resilience is born from commitment. Yeah, I was thinking about that today, actually. I was thinking about how I feel like as in anything, it's based upon your decision, what you decide to do. And uh, it's, I mean, yes, the commitment part is there, but you have to actually decide to actually do it and say, I'm going to do this and then commit to it. Um, But I think deciding, I I was talking to somebody um, about how, you know, things were, things were kind of rattling her, was rattling her. Mm, And, um, uh, you know, I I did mention, you know, what you mentioned about how, you know, you you have to be committed, you have to, you know, because the change is inevitable, just like you said. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything changes. We have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no idea what's going to happen in an hour. (laughs) Right. It's true. (laughs) So we just have to um, go, you know, go with it. I mean, would you, so I know one of the things I posted today was, or yesterday was how life, um, let me make sure I got it right. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of your reaction. Yeah. Yeah. So can I modify that slightly? Yes, please do. Okay, because a reaction is a slave action, right? So I would say 10% is what happens to you. 90% is your response to it versus your reaction. And here's why I make a distinction, because I believe that there, I'm generalizing, of course, but I believe there are only two kinds of people in the world. There are free people and there are slaves. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're always a slave and it doesn't mean you're always free. We're going to cycle in and out of those Throughout the day, throughout our lives, we're going to cycle in in and out of those. But a reaction is a slave action because you don't think about it. It just occurs. In fact, a lot of times when we react, especially in certain relationships, oh, later on we think, oh, gosh, how do I have to figure that out and navigate through that and apologize and fix that? Eek, reaction tends to create this like yucky experience, this explosion of ick. And then we have to go back and try to clean it up. But a response is something that occurs because we have choice. And the moment that we have choice, we have freedom, right? Choice is because there are options. If there are options that we're aware of, then we have choice. When we have choice, we have freedom. And so many times people find themselves in reaction instead of in a response because they don't know that they have options. And because they don't, they're not aware that everything starts to wear with awareness. To me, I, I live life by this, um, acronym I call art because I think life should be artful right a life is creation we're creating it as we go it's delicious that's why I love being alive I've lived 45 years longer than I was supposed to and it's great I want to live another 150 years like at least another 100 years right I want to live to at least 150 and so um, life is really good and it's be even better when you realize that you're an artist that you're a creator of your own life and so I live my my life through an acronym, ART, A-R-T, awareness, reaction or response by choose responsibility, right? And then T is the technique. 
or the action that you're going to take? What is the technique? And so in all parts of our life, we're, if we're aware, the moment we become aware, we can't become unaware. All of a sudden, I know. And the problem is, eek, now I know. Now I have to take responsibility. Because otherwise, when I react, it's just worse. Because now there's, there's not just the reaction. There's also the internal judgment. That internal judgment is often, I'm not good enough to control myself, not smart enough. And we start to beat ourselves up, right? So the moment we become aware, we have a choice between reacting or resp responding. And if we really look and you go, wait, if I have a choice, then that means I'm responding. Even if it's a reaction, the same thing that I've done in the past, that was a conscious choice this time. So now that we're in the response mode, now I can choose what technique. How do I want to respond to this person? How do I want to resolve the conflict? How do I want to address this um, procrastination? How do I want to resolve this particular issue or conflict? So I now look at the techniques that are available to me because that means I have more options. But here's the funny thing about art. Awareness is in responsibility. Awareness is also in um, reaction as you're in, like engaged in it. All of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm actually reacting in this way. So awareness is in both of those, but the technique is in both of those too. And when we're doing a technique, we're responsible or we're in reaction and awareness is there. So <clears throat> this is something that the brain does automatically. So I called it out and said that this is how I live my life, but it's something that I discovered that our brains do. They're aware of a situation, whether we like it or not, we react or, re or we respond. And then when we take action or we, we utilize a technique to accomplish what it is that we want. The whole time, we're AWR or ART, 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 awareness, responsibility, technique, awareness, responsibility, technique. It's literally every millisecond um, and they mix. So awareness is in responsibility, responsibility is in technique, technique is in response, is in awareness because what's the technique you're using for awareness? Well, maybe I'm just being aware of my kinesthetic um, senses. Maybe I'm aware of just my sound or my auditory. Maybe I'm aware of my taste, right? So those are techniques also. So we can't get away from art. We're always creating. And the question is, what do you want to create? Who do you want to create? Right, I love that. A-R-T, awareness, responsibility, and technique. Done. And, and you can't get away from it. It's not really something I created. It's more something I discovered internally from watching myself. Everybody does it every day, all day. We do. That's true. But I love the acronym that you created. You created that, PJ. I'm going to say you coined that because that was you. <laughs> Never heard yeah. that before. Awareness is definitely another key thing, key phrase that I've been hearing is awareness. You know, that's kind of like a key word that's been like boop, 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 awareness. Because it's every, you can't make any transformation without awareness. Change is inevitable. Transformation is a choice. You can change and then become aware after the change has occurred. People could come to you and say, you've changed. I haven't changed. How have I changed? And they're like, like this, A, B, and C. And you're like, oh, I have. So you don't have to be aware to change, but you do have to be aware to transform because transformation is a choice. You have to know where you are and where you're going. And that's part of resilience, right? Resilience is despite the resistance, despite the struggle, despite what's pulling me back or pushing against me or pulling me under or weighing that heavy on me, right? Uh, resilience is seeing my goal, seeing my desired outcome, seeing how I want to show up 
and pushing through the muck and the mire despite the obstacles so that I still get to where I want to go. That's resilience. Despite the resistance, we keep pushing forward. You are an epitome. You are an example of resiliency, PJ. Um, because, you know, as you said, you were not supposed to be here. Seven years old, you were supposed to go somewhere else. And so <laughs> you are somewhere here. Cute way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> but you're here. And, and um, I, I think a lot of us, you know, we have arms, we have legs, we, you know. I feel a lot of us are not living the way that you're living, PJ. You are living a life filled with freedom. That's the whole, right? Sexy Freedom Media Podcast. <laughs> we can talk about anything here. So I love that you are free, um, PJ, and you have uh, surpassed, you know, all of these different adversities. And how, how did you do that? Like, I asked your mom that same question, by the way. But I want to know what I want to know how you do, how you have found that power and that strength in you to be resilient. Okay, so I think I have to honestly say a lot of it goes back to my mom, right? This idea that when I was a little kid, um, I would say like nine or 10 years old, I would yell to mom, okay, mom, I'm ready for you to come back and sit me and talk me in. And she would yell back from the bedroom, okay, but I'm busy. You keep trying, important word, trying, okay? And I would say, okay. And um, so I would, I would literally like lay on the floor and roll back and forth to try to get the leverage to be able to tuck my shirt in and the leverage to snap my little pants. And um, my mom would put these little rings on the end of my zipper so I could slide my finger through and pull the zipper up. And so I would you know, I'd roll left and right and struggle and try and get the right angle and the right leverage and the right um, ability or the right uh, angle to to be able to zip up my pants and snap. In the meantime, while I'm sitting there fighting and struggling, my mom was sitting in her bedroom crying. And she was crying because she wanted to come and help her son. But she also knew that by this point, I'd already lived two or three years longer than I was supposed to. And she thought, if he's going to live, then I want him to live the most independent life possible. So I grew up in a household. My sister and I grew up in a household with my mom where my, if we'd say can't, mom would say can't doesn't mean a thing. Can't never did anything. Can't doesn't live here, right? She'd say, what, you, you can? No, I can't. No, what, what, you can, right? So there's always this push for us to find a way. And so I'm a big advocate. Like I, listen, I'm a super nerd. I love Yoda, okay? I love Star Wars. I can't help it. I love it. And you do, I know. Yoda's amazing. So Yoda said, try not do or do not. There is no try. And this is great. And I agree. But there's also this idea of trying versus um, being praised for doing something good. So my mom would praise my sister and I for doing a good job, right? But she also praised us and encouraged us to keep trying. And there's actual scientific research. It was like a 20 plus year study on children. Um, part of the study group was praised for doing a good job. Part of the study group was praised for trying. And those kids who were praised for trying 20 years later were more successful, were subjectively more happy, were um, making more money, relationships were better than the people who were praised for doing a good job only. Now, when we look at that, we have to ask, well, why? Because if all I'm doing is being praised for doing a good job, then 
what if I've never done it before? Then I've, I've never done it before. Then I'm a little bit scared. And what if I, what if I fail? Then if I fail, I'm not going to get the praise. And so I, maybe I can't do anything. Then there's this paralysis. But a person who's been praised for trying, like my sister and I were praised for trying and encouraged to try more, try again, try another way, figure it out. You always figure it out. We became resourceful. And that was because we were praised for trying. So now when something comes up and people, and people go, well, I can't figure it out. They go, well, let me try. I'll do it. How are you going to do it? You've never done it before. You're a little disabled, dude. How are you going to make that happen? I don't know, but I'll figure it out. I'll make it happen. I'll try. Let me try. Right? And if I fail, I try again. If I fail, I try again. And here's some truth. Let me be 100% honest. We hear all the time in our circles about dropping the ego. My, you know, I'm, I love Buddhism because the way um, it communicates about letting go of the ego and how it communicates. Um, because the way. Um, I'm so sorry. Hold on. No worries. Something's going on. Yes, yeah. I just wanted to make sure that um, we are on public so everyone okay. can hear it. Okay. So apologize. Ta-da! Ta-da! We are live. Everything's working. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Buddhism really works for me, um, partially because when I heard about the Four Noble Truths, they said um, the first is that all life is suffering, and then the second is that there's a reason for the suffering, um, and it's attachment. And so when you let go of attachment, you stop suffering. And so this, why do I bring this up? Because if you're talking about where did my resilience come from? And if I say, I have to be honest, part of it is my ego because I want to be seen in a particular way. I don't want to be seen as a disabled man. I want to see, be seen as a man. And if I am seen as a disabled man, I want to be seen as a, a disabled man who's going beyond his disability and inspiring and encouraging other people to live a free life too. I genuinely believe that part of the reason that I'm born is to inspire people to, to be free, to help set them free. Because I really want, I want people to live happy. If you're happy, we have less war. If you're happy, we have less famine, right? If you're happy, there's less arguments and anger. There's more connection. There's more aloha, right? There's more of that loving spirit. Um, and so this, sometimes my resilience comes from I will not be defeated. No, I will make this happen. No, I need to be seen in this way. Keep pushing. Don't quit. So while Buddhism teaches me to let go of my ego, my ego sometimes is what's kept me alive and kept me moving forward. And so while I'll let it go when it comes to um, communicating with other people, I'll use my ego and my desire and my need and my sincere um, want to inspire other people and my need to be seen in a particular way and my my true heart to want other people to be free, I will use my ego to push me and drive me and not let me quit. And that's that's the truth, you know? And while ego um, is something that can get in the way in relationships, it's also something that's kept me alive. And it's it's given me the life that I have in a most uh, in a really good way. Yeah, I I've seen it. I've I've heard all, I've seen your painting that you oh. created. Uh, that was amazing. That's, I mean, with your mouth. Yeah. I with, my mouth. That. with your mouth for two and a half hours. Yeah. That must have been a lot to handle. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I haven't painted with my mouth. So that, that must have been uh, hard. And, but you chose to do it. And you said, I'm going to, however, wait, nothing is impossible for you. Right, right. And but that's the thing, right? 
nothing's impossible for any of us. And I love that idea that impossible, if you break it into two, two pieces, says I'm possible. Well, what's the I'm part? What's the I part, right? I'm is I am. So what is possible? The isness, the everythingness. Everything is available to us if, we, if we're willing to put forth the energy and the effort. Um, look, I may never be an astronaut, but it doesn't mean that there might not be a way for me to get up into space, right? I may never be an Olympic athlete, but it doesn't mean that I can't be competitive in other ways. Um, I might not ever climb uh, the Grand Canyon by myself, but I certainly have climbed through the Grand Canyon and in the Grand Canyon with my friends carrying me. Um, so I think I told the story the last time. Did I tell the Grand Canyon story last time? Didn't. No, I, I did. don't. I did not? No, okay, I don't. Well, then, is it okay if I tell it now? Yes, please. Okay, so I love the Grand Canyon. It's the ocean and the Grand Canyon, two of my favorite places, natural um, places on the earth that I absolutely love. When I go to the Grand Canyon, <clears throat> I don't go to the Grand Canyon like everyone else where they go, oh, that's really beautiful. They get in the car and they drive to the next place. I like to go to the Grand Canyon with some of my friends. When we look around, we find a beautiful area. We find a place that we want to explore. And I climb out of my wheelchair onto my friend's back we throw my wheelchair underneath a bush or a tree. And we climb up over the rail and down into the Grand Canyon. So already we're like breaking the rules, right? You're not supposed to climb up the rail and the Grand Canyon, but this is the way I want to live. Like I got to break the rules. There are some rules that are designed for breaking and some rules that are designed to follow. And this is a rule for me in my heart and for my spirit. You got to break this rule, right? It's beautiful. It's beautiful to look at, but what's it like to experience and climb down into it and be where someone, where other people have probably never been before. And a disabled person almost assuredly has never been before. And so I climb on my friend's back, Jeff, and I'm on Jeff's back. Tim throws my wheelchair under a bush or a tree. We climb up over the rail and down into the Grand Canyon. At one point, Jeff is, Jeff and I are on top of these rock spires. And Tim is standing, Tim's like 6'2". Um, and he's standing on a 14-inch ledge. It's probably about 25 degree incline. He's kicked off most of the gravel, right? Most of the gravel. And Tim is two and a half or three feet below me, below us. Jeff goes, okay, Tim, I'm going to lower PJ down. Jeff grabs me by my wrists, grabs me by my wrists, holds my arms above my head, lifts me off of the, the stone spire that he's standing on, squats as low as he can, literally over the edge of the Grand Canyon, squats as low as he can, and he goes, okay, Tim, on three, I'm going to drop him. One. And Tim can't reach me. Tim's two and a half to three feet below me. One, two, three. And Jeff drops me over the Grand Canyon. Tim catches me on this 14-inch ledge, pulls me to his chest, squeezes between the two rock spires. We walk out onto this platform that we wanted to look at and explore. Tim slips and falls on his butt in his back. We slide to the edge and his feet and his ankles go over. That's living. That to me is a living. Why is that living? Because in those moments, you're faced with life and death and I choose life. It feels good to have your opportunities where are you, the opportunity to be, you could die right now or you can live right now. And it's so delicious to be able to have life, to appreciate what you have in that moment. That is how I like to live. That is how I like oh to live. My heart stopped a little bit when you were telling the story. <laughs> Does your mom know that you did this? Yes. Yes. My, in fact, my grandmother said to my mom at one point, why do you let PJ do these things? My mom said, because if he dies, he dies happy yeah. with friends doing something he loves. 
you know. I want to go back to your mom. Let's do it. She's an amazing lady. She is. She's such an amazing lady. I love that she's taught you to, um, you know, the word can't is not in the vocabulary, which is ironic because that's actually what I tell my kids. So I'm so glad that it's aligned with her philosophy um, because the word can't, I feel like, well, you can't or you won't, you know. Right, right. I say that too. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, your mom, I, I messaged her or we messaged each other. uh, She was posting about, you know, our show today. And, um, I asked her, where did PJ's resiliency come from? And I'm trying to find that, that message right now, because I I don't want to mess up her words. Okay. Here's what she said. And I thought it was, anyway. You know, because I'm a mom, so like yeah, oh. you can say from one mom to another, right? Yes. And you're a, a beautiful mom. You love your children so much. It's so yeah. clear what a kind. Like I can feel the love that you have for your children, and I haven't even met them yet. Right? <laughs> there's a, yeah. there's a, a mabuhai, right? Yes, right? mabuhai. That's right. Yeah. For and, for your children, there's a love, a connection to them yeah. in a way that there is no other connection. There's no word for it. There's none. Yeah. So it's a different kind of love. You know, there's different ranges of love and a love that a mom has for her kids. (gasps) (laughs) We both take a breath. We're both like, (gasps) yeah, (laughs) it's so like breathtaking that love, you know, that mom has for children. But this is what your mom said. She told you constantly, if you think you can or you think you can't, you are right. Yes. And I know that's a that's a quote. I forgot who who quoted that, but that was Henry Ford. Yeah, because I've heard that before. But I love that she's instilled that value in you. Uh, What you believe of yourself becomes what you are. Uh, Then she asked if I knew the little uh, engine that could. Oh, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Our Wadi is a Wadi Piper. What? Wadi Piper. Oh, it's by Wadi Piper, I think. Oh, by Wadi okay. Piper. Yeah, the book. Said, yeah. yeah, that is my belief to teach your child to believe they can do anything they believe they can do. Um, and yeah, so that was, I love that. I love that answer. Um, my mom is very similar to She always told me, you know, you can be anything and do anything that you want. And she always told me that. So I said, okay, I will be whatever I want. So I've tried a whole bunch of things to be whatever I want. <laughs> In fact, I don't know if you know this teacher, but I actually wanted to be a teacher. So I'm I know. Here. A special ed teacher. Yes. I, w- I wanted to be a special ed teacher. And I did that. I was a special ed teacher. And I said, that was nice. I loved it. <laughs> and I gave so many different experiences, which I love, you know, and, and speaking with you, you know, and many others, like through the podcast, you know, you've, you've taught me a lot, but, um, you know, the resiliency part, I feel like that is the one topic that we really need to chat about because that is, uh, that is something that affects all of us. Love affects all of us, but resiliency, I feel is something that we need to really encourage, um, because there are so many people who, uh, haven't been able to be resilient and, you know, suicide is definitely, something that has happened you know um in fact you know 22 soldiers a day right commit suicide and um they, they've gone through a lot you know military folks have gone through a lot so i my heart goes to all the service members uh past and present um because throughout history throughout history yeah, right throughout all history, right 
Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it's, it's definitely an adversity and, you know, I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat PTSD because that's a real thing. Um, but definitely, you know, I feel like there is a way to be resilient even after all of that. That's what I there's believe. A, there's a great story um, that because one of the martial artists really appeals to me. There were two samurais that were in a, fa- in a ferry, like a little boat going from one island to another. And uh, the, the samurai in front of the boat was bragging and telling stories about all of his duels, all of the uh, duels that he's won, all of the people that he, you know, he killed and, you know, just being quite the braggart. And he noticed there was another samurai in the back, very quiet, humble. And at some point after one of his stories, he, um, he works his way to the back of the boat and he sits down next to the other samurai and says, brother samurai, why is it that you not, do not boast of your, of your duels and the battles that you've been in? And the quieter samurai just looks at him and he says, because we practice two different arts. You practice the art of defeating and I practice the art of not being defeated. You practice the art of defeating. That's a lot of arrogance, right? A lot of Mm. putting me before you, about me not caring about you, but only me. But I practice the art of not being defeated, right? Which means that no matter what obstacle arises, no matter what hardship arises, no matter what heartbreak occurs, we have to find a way. It's okay to drop to your knee. It's okay to take a knee. It's okay to cry. It's okay to need to just cocoon for a little while right um but when you're done you're done some people lose themselves to it and look some of the the military guys that you're talking about anxiety is a real thing panic attacks are a real thing ptsd is a real thing it doesn't mean that people can't get through it but when people resort to um taking their own life it's not because they wanted to die it's because they had reached the limits of the resilience and they didn't know how to go on they couldn't find some good help and they didn't know how to let go of what was holding them back and shift into a different level of resilience. Look, I, I've never had anxiety attacks or panic attacks until 2019 when I contracted some kind of virus that um, caused me to lose 85% of my physical strength um, and about 50% of my lung capacity. And I literally would wake up in the middle of the night because I couldn't breathe partially because I might've been congested, but I think I was just beginning to experience anxiety and panic attacks. And I would wake up and I couldn't breathe. And I would literally sit at the end of my bed crying, rocking back and forth saying, I don't die like this. I don't die like this. I can't die like this. This is a weak way to die. I won't die like this. Fighting it, right? Fighting it. But it doesn't mean that some of the worst anxiety or panic attacks that I had experienced over the past two years, and I say I had experienced because I've worked really hard to find ways through it scientifically, um, through meditation, through breath work, through catching it early. And I'm in the process of building a program right now to help people get through this stuff. Because when you find a way through it, you don't um, become subject to it. When you find a way through it, you don't become subject to it. And I think this is important because even me, who I've been speaking since I was seven, I would watch my brain say, well, I might as well just I should probably just kill myself because, you know, I'm not going to, I can't imagine this kind of panic or anxiety for the rest of my life. Come on, dude, it's going to last a few hours. Take a nap and you wake up, you're going to be fine, right? So, and that wasn't me. Let's make a very clear distinction. That's what my brain might've been saying, but that was the unconscious brain running, 
right? The fight or flight process. That wasn't the conscious PJ. The conscious PJ is like, no, that's not me. That's not where I'm going. Yes, this is scary. Yes, this is hard. There's got to be a way through it. And there always is. You know, I haven't had any problems for quite a while. It doesn't mean that the problems don't start to rise. But there's this idea of winning the war in the morning, meaning catching it early, right? Um, and so when you catch it early, for me, I just ask two simple questions. Do I like how I'm feeling right now? No. Because you don't have, like, if I'm jumping out of a plane, indoor skydiving, if I'm eating an amazing meal, if I'm hanging out with friends and we're laughing, if I'm on the beach somewhere or sailing, I'm not saying, well, am I, you know, do I like how I'm feeling right now? I'm in it. I'm loving it. So you only ask that question when things really don't feel good. And so if I simply say, well, do I like how I'm feeling right now? And inevitably the answer in those situations is no. Then I ask myself the second question, well, what would I rather feel instead? What would I rather feel instead? And then my brain will usually give me three things. <clears throat> it doesn't usually just say, well, I'd like to feel happy. Or I'd like to feel grateful. It's usually like, I'd like to feel peace and love and joy. And I go, okay, have I ever felt peace before? Yeah. What does that feel like? And I just move into that. Have I ever felt love before? Of course. What does that feel like? And I move into that. What does joy feel like? And I move into that. Because I felt those things before. So I can go back to them. It's easy enough just, just to return to those. Um, but it's when you let the unconscious mind project out the panic and the fear. Um, it's when you let the unconscious mind project the possible problems into the future that the panic and fear gets a hold of you. It's going to do that, but do you have to believe that? We don't. There are ways through that, right? And resilience is that testament inside of you, that spirit inside of you that says, I will not be defeated. I will, I will fight to the very end. Like, let me tell you this, okay? Indoor skydiving, first time I ever did it, and I, I've only done it once so far, but I want to do it again. Loved it. So indoor skydiving is a wind tunnel that's vertical, okay? And there's a net, so you can walk out into the tunnel, or you can just sort of launch yourself into the tunnel, and the four jet engines above you, four jet, en jet engines above you, right? Sucking all this air in. There's basically a tube that opens to the outside, so the outside air rushes up and lifts you up. At least this is the way it was in the, uh, the wind tunnel I was in, okay? And the guys were like, well, we're not sure it's going to happen to you in there. Um, so they taped a uh, paper towel roll between my knees to keep my knees apart to create some, some wind flow so my legs didn't act like, uh, like a wing and flip me over. Um, they, they duct taped my ankles together. So my ankles are duct taped together. My knees are, uh, are pushed apart with a uh, paper towel roll with, that's taped to them. And then my hands are taped to my sides, to my hips. So my little arms, my little elbows are sticking out to the side like this one, right? Like a little, like a little wing. And um, they're like, okay, we don't know what's gonna happen. So we're gonna take you in face down, put you on the net. I said, okay. So they take me out and they said, once we feel like we've got an idea of what your body is gonna do in there, we're gonna just slowly lift you up off the net. Well, they brought me in, they put me on the net and I couldn't exhale. The, the wind coming in was so powerful that it was forcing all of the air into my lungs. So breathing in was fine, but I couldn't exhale. And I didn't realize that you can suffocate if you mm -hmm. can't exhale. And that's mm -hmm. where I was. I was in a place where I was like, oh, I can't, I can't breathe out. I'm suffocating. So and these guys couldn't, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, these guys couldn't hear me over 
the sound of the four jet engines above us. They both had helmets on with face masks and they had ear um, plugs in, right? So I'm, I'm trying to say, but remember, I can't force anything out exactly. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to say, you have to get me up. You have to get me up. You have to get me off the net, right? And I'm talking Your to this guy over here. Like, take They're strapped to my side. All I have is my, literally I have my head, right? And my mouth. So I'm like, you have to get me up. You have to get me up. I'm voicing it. I'm not voicing it. I'm, I'm mouthing it because nothing will come out. And like, I'm literally like, right? And they're like, what, what? We can't, we don't understand what you're saying. And finally, just as my vision started to go, um, because I don't know if you've ever experienced going up. Okay. So your vision starts to go. You start to black out on your periphery. And my vision started to go. And just as my vision started to go, just before I was about to pass out, they lifted me up. And as soon as they did, there was the open door into the wind tunnel that I think released just enough pressure that I could exhale. And so as soon as we let something go, right, just like a teapot, as soon as you let go of some of the steam, right, I could express um, myself. I could exhale. And so the teaching point, and then I could fly. It was amazing. But the teaching point here is that if you can't express yourself authentically, you will suffocate. And if you're an artist and you're not doing your art, you're suffocating. And if you're in a relationship where you can't speak openly and honestly, not cruelly, not mean, but being able to speak your truth, you'll suffocate. And if you're at an office where your voice doesn't matter and you're just basically slave labor, you'll suffocate. You have to be able to express yourself. That's part of resilience, right? The more you can be authentic and express what's really true, the more resilient you naturally are because there's less weight on you. There's less pressure. There's less resistance. There's less denial. Wow. I, when you're telling that story, I was like, I was holding my breath as well. Like, oh my goodness, my BJ, what happened to my BJ? Um, you had me on the edge of my seat, PJ. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad that you were okay. Um, that you survived and that they figured out, okay, let's close up the wind tunnel and you were able to fly. So it's so funny. Like I can't even lift my arms and most of my stories are like the brink of death, right? Like water skiing. I love water skiing, but I'm not very good at water skiing. Apparently you're supposed to ski on top of the water. I ski under the water. I'm a terrible water skier. I like the idea of it. But uh, I'm a terrible, terrible. Um, but you tried. You tried yeah. it. Yes, absolutely. You have to. Um, the, last, the last time I was in the ocean was in July. Mm-hmm. And um, I forgot how strong it is. I knew how powerful it was in my mind. But until your body re-experiences the power of the ocean, um, you forget. You forget. Like in and because I don't think of myself as a disabled man, I just think of myself as a man who wants to do these things, who might have to find a new way of doing them. Like surfing, for example. Surfing is unquestionably on my list and it has been since I was 13. And I've got to find a way to make it happen. Um, but the last time I was in the ocean because I had lost so much physical strength and because I was dependent upon a friend of mine holding me and because my lung capacity had been diminished so much a couple of years earlier, you know, initially, um, I was 
literally having to consciously fight my reaction, my fight or flight brain. I'm like, no, we're staying. Right. And we, I just have to figure it out. I'm like, okay, let's go underwater. Let's pop back up. Right. My friend was like, I'm going to take you underwater. I'm like, okay, how long are we staying under? Not that I thought he'd stay under a long time, but I just needed to know like, how long do I have to? Yeah. It was just Mm -hmm. psychology. Totally. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the, again, the point is like, there's, there's going to be resistance in your life. There are going to be difficult times. The question is, how are you going to live? Are you going to thrive? Or are you just going to survive? I don't want to just survive. I don't want you to survive. I want everybody to thrive. I think that's why we were born. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy mm-hmm. to ask for that one. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I think... Um, you said a lot. You shared so many stories. I'm sure there's so many stories, more stories that you have to share about resiliency. I mean, it started since you were a kid, you know, um, of course, the Grand Canyon. That was another edge of my seat story. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, please catch him. Please catch him. <laughs> Glad he caught you. And I would have fallen, no lie. I would have hit the ledge that, he, that Tim was on. Tim probably would have uh, fallen with me. And we would have fallen a half a mile before we hit anything because the grand canyon is no joke i know i've seen the grand canyon in fact uh just a little spoiler my son and my husband just came back from the grand canyon um last night i just picked them up last night i can't share why online but i'll share with you after oh super cool yeah that's exciting okay all right Um, but i yeah you know i think a lot of us are surviving i think a lot of us are surviving day by day right Yes. Day by day. And, um, you know, I, I've told different people, actually, I've told, um, I've told them, what's your choice? What would you like to do? Because we do have a choice. And just like your, what you said, you know, we have the ability to create the story that we want. But I think a lot of us are repeating the same stories to ourselves. And we're saying these same stories and we're feeding it into our minds and and uh, so how do you how do you stop that how do you stop you know uh well not stop how do you change the stories that we're implanting in our minds yeah so i think there's um there's a lot of layers to this particular question um let me start by saying this become aware of whether or not you're living the same day over and over and over again this is not my idea or concept i've heard over the past couple of years it's a great concept this idea of people living the same day over and over and over, the same week over and over and over. Basically, they wake up in the morning, they do the same routine, they go to the same job, they come home and do the same thing, watch the same shows, and then wake up and do it all again the next day. Every weekend is basically the same thing. If that's if that is what works for you, okay. But I don't think it works for most people. Some people like that routine. That works really well for them and they're perfectly happy. That doesn't work for me as well because I like the um the variety so your question about like how do you change the story in your head first of all recognize it's uh i like that you said the story in your head instead of your story right because so many times people um will say well here's what happened in my life and this is this is the way it is and it becomes their story they buy into it whether it's 100 true or not they buy into it instead of just saying oh wait hold on that's the story that my mind is creating versus what I really want, how I really want to see the situation. And so 
to change your story, first of all, you want to recognize that a story is being told and identify whether or not it's the story that you want to be told in your brain. Um, I, when I experienced, and I, again, I haven't experienced it for quite a while, um, and even when it does start to rise, I, I catch the anxiety or the panic quickly. But I started to say, no, I'm a guy who loves a good challenge. So if I get into the shower and I turn on the cold water first, <clears throat> and so I immediately jump under the cold water as quickly as I can, because um, I want to shock the system a little bit. Um, and I also want to push my resilience. And what I realized, again, shortly after the anxiety first started, <clears throat> excuse me, is being a little tiny skinny dude, right? I get on that cold water and all of a sudden I'm like, <laughs> right? And I'm, I'm breathing really erratically and that would induce, it would start to induce a panic like, oh, I couldn't breathe. But even what I just did right there, I was doing it through my mouth. But in the shower, I would do it through my, through my nose, right? And it would, it would change the experience internally and it would start to turn on the anxiety. And so I would start to get anxiety or panic about showering. And I'm like, absolutely no, this is not a story that I'm going to buy into. It's a story that the unconscious mind is trying to create to keep me safe. It doesn't care whether or not I shower. The unconscious mind doesn't care not whether I thrive. The unconscious mind doesn't care about whether or not you're happy in your life or whether or not you um, have a life filled with um, friends and love and adventure and joy. It just cares whether or not you stay alive so it can stay alive. Its job is to keep you alive. That's it. Okay. So what I did was I would say, okay, hold on. I don't like this. What's going on? Why am I feeling it? So I just start to analyze the situation. The more you start to break things apart and start to understand it, the more the story can't stand. So if you start to break it apart and start to study different pieces, you're like, well, what about this piece? Don't say why. Ask yourself, what about this particular piece is actually causing me to feel this or believe this or think this about myself, right? What, what part of my past is causing me to say this to myself or about myself? And then once we start looking at that, we start breaking it down and studying it, what you're doing is you're just, you're literally starting to study the, um, the molecular pieces and the structure starts to fall away. So there is no story. They're just all these like random little pieces with, with wisdom and knowledge and lessons inside. And when the wisdom and the knowledge and the lessons start to reveal themselves, the story loses its meaning. The story only has structure as a way of creating um, a particular framework until you learn the lessons in the wisdom. The moment you start to learn the lessons in the wisdom, the story itself starts to fall apart. It's, not, it's unnecessary. When I work with my clients, when um, they're having a really difficult time, sad, angry, frustrated, I say, okay, well, let's unpack that emotion. And by unpack that emotion, I mean, what are the lessons in it? What's the wisdom in it? What's the insight? What's the knowledge? What is it that that, that, that emotion is trying to say to you? Because emotions are literally just emails. They're just emails saying, hey, I've got a little attachment for you. I want to give you something, right? So you open up the email, right? You look at the, by opening the email, you're looking at the emotion and then you download the attachment. The attachments are all the lessons, the knowledge, the wisdom, the insights, right? The things that you can learn. So when you start to download those and you start to go, wait, what can I learn here? What is this telling me about me? All of a sudden, once the emotion realizes you're unpacking, you're unpacking all of the lessons and the knowledge and the wisdom, the insights, the emotion goes away. If you still feel a little bit of emotion, it's because you haven't quite unpacked everything. There might be a little tiny piece in there that says, okay, well, why am I still feeling this little emotion? What about it 
what is the lesson that you want me to get? And you might get a little tiny saying that says, I just want you to know that you're kind. And you go, oh, thanks. I really am kind. And there's a softness that comes through your heart. And then the sadness, the frustration, or the confusion, or whatever the sad emotion was, or the negative emotion is, dissipates. It's exactly the same with the story. The more you start to break apart the story and study it and understand it, and what the pieces mean, it doesn't have any structure. It falls apart. And then it ceases to exist because you find the truth. You turn the light on in the darkness. I love the technique that you used. You are aware of it. You took responsibility. And you're using the technique as to asking all the different questions to break yes. it. Right? I didn't even think about that. Yes, I didn't even think about that. But that's what I'm saying. Art is everywhere. Art. It's constant. This is what I do every day, all day long, art. And everybody does. They just don't know it. So I love that you brought that out because I didn't even see it. So thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank you. <laughs> TJ, you and I can talk forever and ever and ever and ever because I absolutely enjoy your words of wisdom. I enjoy um, just your presence and your ability to live life so freely. You are inspiring. You are inspiring. I'm, I want to go do a, well, I'll do an indoor skydive. Yeah. Maybe not a sky. I used to. I used to want to do a skydive, but I'm like, oh, and you became a mom. <laughs> became, yeah. Yes. I became a mom. <laughs> Once I became a mom, I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> My mom wanted, used to want to jump out of planes, right? And she stopped snow skiing, I think, too, after she had my sister and I, you know? And it's not that she's afraid. It's just that she loves her children. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, And real quick, I I did have panic attacks. Actually, I had it in 2018. Oh, okay. I I had panic attacks multiples, you know, in 2018. And thankfully, I I haven't. But I think just like you, I think I'm I'm more aware, you know, of the feelings that I'm feeling my body, you know, and, and how it tenses up and if I'm upset or if I'm frustrated or whatever. And so that's when I use techniques, then I use several different techniques to just Break it down. Yeah. Break it down. And it's yeah. a lot easier to manage when it's broken down like that instead of all at once. Yeah. So, 100%. And that's yeah. what I meant when I said win the war in the morning, right? This is not my saying. This is um, the Navy, the former Navy SEAL, uh, I forget his name right now, uh, David Goggins. Mm-hmm. David Goggins is a phenomenal human being, a powerful man. And people argue that he's the toughest man on the planet or at least it's the title that they've given him. It's a wonderful compliment, right? What David Goggins talks about winning the war in the morning, what he means is wake up in the morning and do all the hard things on your list first while you still have the willpower because willpower is waning. And as the day goes on, you do the less difficult things. And as it gets in towards the evening, you do the even less difficult things. So you get more done, which is great. But I like to borrow the term and talk about winning the war in the morning around our emotional state. If all of a sudden you realize that you're sad, you're scared, you're frustrated, you're angry, you're disappointed, you're in anxiety, you're panic, right? The quicker you resolve that situation, the quicker and easier it's going to be for you to return to normal. If you don't, if you wait for that anxiety or panic or sadness or anger or angst or confusion or frustration or any of these terrible things to rise to lunch or dinner or the midnight snack, oh, it's like fighting an army, right? All of a sudden, because... Problems have friends. Problems have friends. And so 
if you're, if you procrastinate and you decide to put off your, uh, the things that you have to do, you're like, well, I'll just do it later. I don't want to do it now. That's great. Problems are like, yeah, you should put that off. Don't worry. I'm super social. The problem says I'm super social. I got lots of friends. So you go ahead and do that. I'm just going to wait and I'll invite my friends over. So pretty soon, you know, the problem that you might've had before was, um, maybe it was uh, a dis- uh, difficult conversation with a spouse that you're upset about and you don't want to have it, right? So now there's resentment. Ooh, so there's not just the difficult comment. Now there's resentment. Now there's fear. Now there's anger. Now there's disappointment. Now there's all right. Anger. Uh, mm-hmm. Problems have friends. Right. And so if you win the war in the morning, you resolve the issue early mm-hmm. and it doesn't come at you like an army. You take care of one or two things and all of a sudden it goes away. So that's how you destroy the, the story. I love it. I, there's so many golden nuggets you've shared today. I, I actually want to replay this and be like, okay, let's read that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Lots of things to um, Any last thing about resilience uh, that you'd like to share, PJ? Let me let me let it come through instead of from me. Okay, so give me one second. I'm going to say this and it might seem off or uh, not relevant at first. Um, Love. Love is the willing exchange of oneself for oneness. And when you realize that you are connected oneness with your dream, what it is that you want, um, with your goal, with your um, commitment, what it is, the body shape that you want to create for yourself, the financial place that you want to be, the dream that you want to create, the relationship you want to have, when you connect with that, and it's not separate from you, right? When you connect with that, it becomes a love for this thing. And love is not, love is the willing exchange of one net or oneself, right? The ego, letting go of the ego for that oneness where you say, if we're talking about resilience and that's what I want, then that's the direction I'm going to go. And as long as you keep your mind on the end goal, as long as you do and you realize it's part of me, it's who I am, it's part of who you are. And no matter what anybody says, it won't come away from me. I won't let it go. That love for this thing that you want, this experience that you want will drive you. And no matter what knocks you down or causes you to fall, you'll just get back up. There's all these great sayings that say, if you fall down, um, get back up. If you fall, fall, uh, fall fast and fall forward. If you fall, pick something up while you're down. If you fall, land on your back. So you're always looking up, right? All of those are great. I don't have one to go along with that, but they're so juicy and delicious. The point is you never let go of the vision that you want. And as long as you hold fast to that, you know it's true in your heart, you will have that resilience. You will have that inner strength that you and I talked about a couple of days ago. You'll have that inner strength because you'll say, that is my commitment. This is my commitment. My commitment is me. I am my commitment. There's only a oneness here. There's no separation. And so when the storms of change come upon you or the judgments of other people um, come at you and you know, you're weathering the storm, you basically tied to your boat, which is your commitment. And so, you know, you're going to be fine. You're going to get through it. It's when you're not sure. So you're like, well, I mean, I want it, but I don't know if I deserve it. 
no, this is who I am where I'm going. Even though I'm scared, I'm going to figure that out. I'm committed. And so then no matter what anybody says or does, you'll be able to say, well, um, that's unfortunate that you think of me that way because I know who I am. I know my truth. So you want to look at your values. You want to look at your principles. You want to live true to those, not compromise the things that are truly important to you. Because when you compromise those things, that's when the judgment of, of yourself starts to come. But when you stay true to them, nobody else's judgment will matter for very long. It will for a minute, you know, it'll break your heart for a minute, mm -hmm. but then you'll look and you'll study and you'll say, hold on, this is my truth and I'm not hurting anybody. This is right for me. And you'll be back on track. Love it. And we're going to practice the arts of arts. Always. Yeah. Awareness, responsibility, technique. I am worthy. I am, uh, this is my choice. I decide to be A, B, and C, or A, B, or C. Mm -hmm. um, I am not defeated. Right. My art is in the art of not being defeated. Right. Delicious. Delicious. <laughs> I love it. I love that you use my word. I say delicious all the time. I know. Yeah. You taught me that word. I love that word. It's I very delicious. It. <laughs> very tasty. <laughs> yes. So, PJ, I am so grateful for you. Thank you so much for coming again on my show. Again, so many golden nuggets, and I appreciate you. I appreciate oh, you thanks. so much, uh, more than you know. And uh, I am so excited to introduce you to my friends, my family, the audience, you know, uh, of Sexy Freedom Media Podcast mm -hmm. and Chat with January. So thank you again for being on here. To the listeners, to the audience, thank you so much for listening. I hope you took some great notes because PJ had a lot of wonderful things to say. And uh, I'm excited to have him hopefully on another time um, because he's great, wonderful guest. And please like, share, subscribe, comment. If you have any questions, please email or Facebook message me. I'd be happy to answer. And if you'd like to be a guest on our show, please send me a DM. Uh, all of PJ's contacts and his IG, his Facebook, his social LinkedIn, so every social media, his email, uh, his website is on the show notes. So please click on those notes and follow PJ. With that said, thank you so much. Be blessed. Aloha, everyone. Aloha. Aloha. Mahalo. <laughs>